I only want to talk to folks who have really had boots on the ground, who have seen things and experienced things firsthand. And I know for me, it's 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 getting close to those kinds of people. And, and, and when they're brave enough to sort of share their stories with me, I, I find it sacred and, and uh, it's a huge honor. And, you know, with, with, with what happened on October 7th, y y you know, um, the world, you know, to me at least seems very much still sort of spiraling uh, from it. Um, but you were there. And, um, I, you know, if you if you could, you, you know, maybe you could just um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, why you were there, what it was like for you that day, and tell me kind of your, your story of it, if, if you're comfortable with it. Yeah, sure. I'm looking at you and I'm looking you in the eyes and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you here, but for the people, you know, who are watching right now, they're not going to be able to see your face. And I guess I just wanted to start, if, if you could tell me like, why, 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 why is it important to, to, to scramble your face and, 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 um, what, why, why is that, what, why is that necessary? And just so they know. Yeah, there's two reasons. Reason number one is I served eight years in the elite special forces in the government and they did things outside of Israel that uh, people might recognize me. Um, and number two is uh, uh, because that my life can be under threat. So yeah, I have a family now and we need to protect it. You, you have babies? Yeah, I have one kid. H how old? Two and a half years old. Wow, it's a boy or a girl? Boy. W what's his name? Man? Lior. Lior in... Uh, Lior. Yeah, Lior in Hebrew means my light. Wow. And... Um, Um, well, his name means a lot because uh, um, I was in an operation and um, me and my commander flew and my commander and I, uh, there was launched a missile on us and my commander and I flew literally in the air to one side and all the rest of the team, 78 people were left behind and they were starting to have exchange of fires between us and them. You were in a plane? No, we landed in helicopters. Oh, landed, okay, yeah. okay. Landed in helicopters, went to a place that we needed to go, and uh, literally 10 minutes into our landing, a, a missile got shot at us, and like 400 guns started shooting at us, and we flew in the air, and my, my commander was literally dying, and when I landed, my communication device broke. Um, so I was calling my, my team, but nobody came. But I could hear everything. Wow! And um, and I'm calling them to come, and uh, they didn't come. And after 15 minutes, I saw them start leaving. And you don't leave people in. Uh, you don't leave people behind. It's rule number one. But I didn't understand why. So I picked up my colonel, and I can't disclose his name even today, uh, 16 years later. But I, I picked him up on my back, and I started walking with him. And he by literally died on my back. Oh. But um, they, they had planes from the top, and they said that we are alive. 78 people were already on helicopters and jumped out to save us. Nobody said go and help them. they just alive, and the people dashed and people got injured while they were saving us. So the, the helicopter, the rest of your team that got hit by the missile, you guys got separated. They left because they, 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 they thought you guys were gone. Yeah. And, and then they got news f uh, when they were on the helicopter and they all jumped out? 
Yeah, all, all jumped out. Um, nobody told them. They just said that we were alive. That's, That's like, yeah. Were they know, in the air? I mean, where they, did... were, they were literally closing the doors and the fire. Wow. And the fire. And, the fire. and they were alive. Everybody jumped out, started shooting back, running to us. It's 10 minutes run, okay? And the fire. Like, wow. That's a... And, and my, my, my colonel was dying on my back. And, and they saved us. But what's interesting here is um, his mother for many years tried to have a closure. Uh, what happened to her son from 2007? And I'm not sure how spiritual you are, but this did change my life. I met my wife, and my wife and I had two miscarriages, and then we decided to bring Leo in an IVF. Leo, again, means my light. And two months after Leo was born, I was in a, if, I was in a YPO retreat, and I told the story that for years his mother tried to speak to me, and I couldn't, and now I'm a father, and I think I should just let his mother know, because I never told her what happened in his last moments of our son. And my phone tells me, go call the mother. So 13 years, 14 years later, I call the mother, I says, look, I'm here to speak. And she says, thank you very much, I had my closure already. So I said, what do you mean? She said, I had my grandson. So I said, oh, wow, that's beautiful. I just had my first son. She says, what's your son's name? I said, Leo. Her grandson's name is also Leo. So then I asked her, when was your grandson born? 7th of June, same day, and same weight. Wow. So Leo means a lot to me. Wow. Bless him, man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the... Um... Tell me about your. Um, tell me about your, where where you grew up. How you grew up. I grew up in Jerusalem. Uh, I have a, my dad grew up in Zimbabwe, and uh, he came to Israel a, a day before the Six Day War. Um, uh, my mom grew up in South Africa, and her parents were apartheid rebels, so they got pushed out of South Africa. I've two older brothers and one older sister, so I'm the younger one, and grew up in a lovely family, and did martial arts from the age of seven. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what did you study? Thai boxing. Thai boxing. Yeah. 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 And from the age of seven, I competed, and that was like, still, I love martial arts. Okay. 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 What, what, what led you to martial arts? Um, I have dyslexia and ADHD. And 30 years ago, it was like, wow, look, you know, a terrible thing to have. Sure, sure. Um, so my parents said that I need a bit of discipline. Yeah. And time boxing was the... So yeah, time boxing was the only thing that could have uh, given me discipline. And and you said your 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 mom was an apartheid rebel. My my, my her parents were apartheid rebels. How is how did that influence you? How did that influence the way that you were raised? Oh, to treat everybody the same, no matter like the culture or the color or the race. I really treat everybody the same. I, you know, I, <laughs> sorry, but I, even you, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. like. Please, yeah, of course, just, yeah. I think every soul is so unique. 
and we just need to treat everybody the same. How, how does someone, is, is that by the way you were raised? Is it the experiences that you've, do, do you feel like that was instilled by your parents or do you feel like that's uh, through your life experience? Wow, it's a really good question and I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I ask, I, 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 I think, you know, we're in this in, incredibly confusing time right now. And, and, and I think especially, you know, for me, I, I, I find myself more and more lonely with, 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 with how I see the world. And, and um, you know, I, I really feel like I, I was very much raised that way. Uh, my house was always open to people. If you were in trouble, you could come to my house. My parents took in foster kids. Um, but I think it was really instilled in me both through my parents, but then really reinforced by my life experiences that, you know, I would spend the night in homes of people of all kinds of faiths, all kinds of walks of life and, and had, had, I, I'm so grateful for these firsthand experiences of, um, celebrating our, our, our differences, but, but, but really honing in on what makes, what, 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 what is common among all of us. And I feel like there's been so much recently that's, that's so focusing um, on what, what makes us different and, and, and division and, and, and rather celebrating uh, the sort of unique and human things that, that, that bring us all together. Um, and so I'm just wondering, I'm, I, I wonder about it with, with myself and, and now as a father trying to sort of instill this with my own kids, you know, how do you do it? Do you do it by, 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 by preaching? Do you do it by telling them about your life experience or is it through things you've experienced yourself? Interesting. I think it's a lot with my parents, but I also think it's a lot with martial arts. Hmm. Yeah. Um, because you can be you can be whoever you want to be, but on the mat we're all equal. That's right. And you see, like these Zuckerberg now doing BJJ and getting submitted by a waitress or something. Yep. Like, you know. Yep. Like you know, we the mat just teaches you so much. So true. Yeah. So true. And you're really judged. I mean, I think that that's it to 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 really hold people accountable for the content of their character, for the look there in, in their eye, to to how they to how they sort of react and respond to adversity. You you know, to to, to what they do in a pinch and whether they're really there for you or like that's what we should judge each other for. Yeah. And and you never know. And there's nothing about where they're from, the color of their skin, who they sleep with, what they believe in. There's nothing that 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 determines that. That's it's all about what you do in the moment. And I and I and I agree. I I think, you know. There's, there's no lying in a fist fight, you know, there's, there, there's no lying, you know, no. and, and uh, when you were growing up doing martial arts, were there people, what, what, was it a diverse community? Uh, I was the youngest, um, but it was very diverse. So it was in Jerusalem. So we had Arab Israelis, uh, Christians, people called Cherkesis, um, uh, Israelis, like we were all there. I would, I would spar with Muslims ten years older than me. Yeah, and it was cool. Like you yeah. know, we were all like a family. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. What were some other big lessons that you got from competing, from 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 from, from fighting? I had three fights that were really important for me. My first one when I was ten, and I fought a guy that was a year older than I am. But I already did three three years of Thai boxing, and I was the youngest in the gym, and I wasn't really good at school. Both of my parents are teachers. So like being bad at school at home was like, wow, this, this <laughs> yeah. guy is a loser. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I remember the guy that was a year above me and in that age, it means a lot. He kind of threw a clumsy punch and it was like the matrix. I could move so fast. 
And I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm finally good at something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the first time that I didn't feel a loser. I won that fight, and it was like, yeah, finally. Then I competed in Europe for the adult championship at the age of 16. I got to the semifinals, and it was a French guy. He was like 21 years old. I'm the 16-year-old kid. He was very tall. As you can see, I'm still short. <laughs> yeah, nothing's changed from that. Um, full of tattoos. And he really, like, we had a, a stare down and, like, really forehead to forehead. And I got intimidated yeah, so much yeah, yeah. that I actually lost the fight before it even started. I didn't even need to fight. I lost it. I did, like, he, he, he didn't need to throw a punch. I lost. And my coach, like, after the fight is over, my coach is like, dude, you didn't even try today. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And. That, that was one of the best lessons in my life because I will never allow anybody to bully me ever again. And the second thing is, no matter what I'm going to do, I'm going to give it my all. Like, I'm not going to go ever in my life to anything and not, like, try. Right. You know, right. I tried right. open businesses, some I failed. Okay, at least I gave it my all. Yeah, yeah. Mm. When was the decision to, to join the military and where did that come from? Um, so because I was an athlete in Israel, I actually got a special, um, I, I got a special uh, permission to be a professional athlete in the military. Uh, and my job should have been to give injured soldiers in Jerusalem a newspaper every morning. So you do two day, two hours a day of service, um, and uh, and then you go to train. When I was in twelfth grade, a class of mate of mine, we were going to school, normal day, and he he died in a bomb attack in a bus. So just a kid that goes to normal day to school in Jerusalem, uh, and I just said, you know what? I love sports, I'm good at sports, but I I need to serve my country. And people were you're getting this professional athlete certificate. What are you doing? Like I'm like, nope, like, you know, that's not my calling. And I did a lot of tests. Um and I joined a, a unique unit. Uh, and it's it's a fascinating project. So uh, you join one of the special forces and every three to four months um, they take you out for testing to see if what you're better to do in the government. So either locally or overseas. And it's it's nature, man. It's it's ingrained in us. And then what's the course selection like? I mean, what is it? Is it is it is it similar to our Green Berets or our SEALs or how how, how does it work? Yeah. So it's a uh, my course to a uh, was a uh, sixteen months. So it's four months that you're training, learning how to be a soldier in general. Then it's another four months to see if you can join, if you can really take it hard, I would say, being in in the special forces. And then another eight months of like tweaking everything, teaching you. So it's everything from um, being in the tunnels to shooting, to jumping off of planes, to hide a week in, in the desert to navigate all by yourself. So uh, we had a funny experience. It's funny now, but they, they drop you in the middle of the desert. For training. For training. On Sunday, because the week in Israel starts on Sunday. 
and you and another guy navigate just you two um, until Thursday. And if you don't come by Thursday, they will find you. They will find you. So you have five, five days, two people, no sleeping bag, okay? Just a bit of water and sardines uh, and, and like butter candy. And you need to get to the base in five days. You have a map. So we walk this Friday now. Man, I don't eat fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat fish. So um, on Wednesday, I grab my friend in the shirt. I'm like, dude, we need to get to the base fast because I'm starving here. And he was happy. He yeah, ate, he, oh, yeah. He's eating double fish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So we arrived on Thursday to the base and there was a massive cake for 24 people with a knife, and I just put my hand right in. <laughs> I started going at it. Long story short, I finished the cake for everyone. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. Uh, and then we had blood tests on Thursday and on Friday, blood and urine tests. On Monday, they call me, they say, and this is special forces, right? So they call me and they say, you need to go into that car. Like, okay, this is part of training, cool. I go into a car, it's dark from the inside. Oh shit, this isn't part of training. Something serious is going here. So they took me to a police station of the army, started interrogating me for four hours on who's my dealer and stuff like that. I'm totally naive. I don't know. I said, they're like, oh, you're playing it innocent. Then they brought a very high up guy. He said, I need to understand because he sees that I'm a good kid, special forces, like things that just don't fit in together. He says, I, I need to know exactly what you ate, everything last week. I said, it was very easy. I didn't eat anything, anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. until Thursday, which I ate like four kilos of poppy seed cake. Yeah, yeah. So it was full of opium. Oh, yeah. shit. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, so. man. Wow, wow. And, and uh, what do you think it does? I mean, just ma mandatory military service. I mean, that's something that you know, I've just often thought, you know, what, what would that experiment be like in, in, in America? You know, what, what, what do you think that does? I, I can't believe in America that it's not mandatory. Maybe not the military. But some service. Yeah, some service. Because like fighting, it's the great equalizer, right? It's, it's you, you, yeah. It's a great, it's a great equalizer. Like, I, I actually find it a bit interesting that I see these people that grew up very well off in New York or LA, or life was very easy to them. They, they, and they don't see anything else but five-star hotels or, or stuff like that, like, you know, they'd never even traveled to some places in America that, like, that are not like New York. Right, right. You know? Right. What was your first sort of really memorable combat experience? And, and, and did you feel did you feel extremely ready for it? Or, or was it a completely different world? Um, so it was like 16 months in. So two months after I finished training, uh, we went. We did some small missions during training, like tiny ones. But the first big one that we went to was two months after we finished the entire course. Um, and we went to kind of like a, an apartment block. Um, uh, and we got divided to four people in each group. Where were you? Uh, in Gaza. Okay. Uh, in Gaza. And we, f we looked for a person. The time was against us because you can get the uh, revealed right away in those places. So we decided to, the, the officer decided us that we need to split into um, groups of four and look quickly to the guy. So I led one of the groups um, 
opens the do the door, the guy was there, but with a grenade. And he threw the grenade right at me. I turned around, kicked the door, closed, because my three friends were behind me. I shouted Rimon, which means a grenade, and jumped on the floor. Uh, my friends found me full of blood. My Achilles got torn. My my back uh, had the my back injury. I had strap metals uh, around in my bottom. Uh, so it was a bit unique wow. to have. Uh, and this was your first? First. Wow. Yeah. So um, this is my first experience, which I got injured. And I felt really prepared. It was bad luck. Uh, and then it took me like six months to heal, but I was back right at it after six months, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, how, how many years How many years did you serve? Eight. Eight years. Yeah. Eight years. And and can you talk about what the, what, what was the majority, was there sort of one thing you felt like you were doing a lot of or what, like what, or all kinds of different things and whatever you can say. Yeah. Like, um, I can tell you what we didn't do enough of is sleeping and eating. That was, <laughs> that's for sure that yeah. we, we, um, it's actually very interesting. Unlike the movies, an operation, most of the time, you train for it for maybe a year. Like it can be a year of training for one operation. And you train for every single scenario that can happen. This might not be politically correct. Yeah, don't but worry. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, my wife once asked me, how, how is it to be in the special forces? I said, honey, it's like a relationship. I work very hard for a few minutes of six. <laughs> um, so it's, it's similar. You work very hard for an operation. Uh, my uh, speciality was to do, my team speciality was to do small operations in foreign countries and to leave with nobody knowing who you are. Got it. Got it. And, and, and what kind of, what kind of skill set, what, what kind of skills does that take? Um, it really depends per operation. So there are operations that you, uh, we call it in Hebrew, it's very low tone. You don't want anybody to notice you. You, you're, you can be maybe disabled or very old or a bit weird. And people don't want even, like, you know, you're, you're maybe homeless. People want to stay away from you. You're this guy that doesn't draw attention. And basically, because let's face it, sometimes homelesses are, in, like, we don't see them. Invisible, yeah. Yeah, yeah. invisible. So sometimes you zap until the object comes. Yeah. Who, who, who will think that, you, that you're dangerous? And some operations, you actually want to, extract a lot of fire to extract a lot of attention because there's some something else somewhere yeah that that needs to be cleared a lot of trust um i got exposed in one operation and in my team in foreign countries nobody comes to save you so if you get exposed your team members must continue the operation without you wow how many, what's an average team size? It can go from three to 25. It depends on the needs. But the, the show must go, go on, literally. So, I, and you need to take yourself out just with your tongue. Like you need to now convince Talk the people. Talk your way out of it. Yeah. Can you give me, can you tell me that story? 
Uh, yes, so I I got stopped in a very hostile country to Israel, extremely hostile, uh, and they thought that I'm uh, I'm a spy. Uh, and, and most of the time you're there because there's a known terrorist and you're going to get them. Right? Correct. That's most okay. Yeah, correct. That's my job. Right. Um, and yeah, you're you're just like a, you know you just talk yourself out of the situation. How do you do that? You convince the police that they're totally wrong. And so, do you speak? Do, do, do you speak that you speak Arabic? Yeah, I speak foreign languages. Yeah. yeah. How how many languages can you speak? Uh, now not now just Hebrew and English. Yeah. <laughs> but I can but speak then, uh, two more if I need to. If you need to, got yeah. it, got it, got it, got it. Was that the most scared you ever were in a, in, in, in a combat situation? You know, I think uh, it's, it, and I'm not a hero. Okay, so. You are, are you scared when you go into a, a cast or something, when you go to do your job, when you now get the script? I mean, I don't know about, you know, I'm, I'm you know, you, you go, you go forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe a bit nervous, but you're so, you have a job to fulfill, okay? You're scared, unfortunately, and it's not being a hero or not. Sure, sure. Just cannot come into the equation. But how much does it draw back to that first time with the French guy in, in, in that fight? You know, like that guy's what? That guy's gone? That, that, that kid who looked at that French guy with the tattoos and was like, shit, man, that, that guy doesn't exist anymore? Oh, he exists. Definitely exists. But I remind, because he exists so much, I remind myself that now I'm going to give it my all yeah. every time and yeah. every training and every, like, that kid really exists. Yeah. Yeah. with me on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's the driver of this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I get that, man. And, and like, you know, man, look like you, you, you watch Fauda, I assume, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I got forced to watch Fauda by my wife. By your wife? Yeah, you don't yeah. like it? And, you know, I think it's a great show. Uh -huh. I truly believe it's an amazing show. Um, real life is different. Sure, sure. Because those guys are like constantly shooting themselves. Yeah, every so much shoot. Yeah, everybody's shooting everyone constantly. Yeah, if the, if that would be real life, we wouldn't have terrorists anywhere in the world. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. So, 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 what, um, what, what brought you to the states? Uh, we lived in South Africa for four years. My wife worked in the biggest family office in South Africa. I had businesses there. It's a it's a very challenging country to live in. Very sad to see what happens there. And my wife got accepted to Stanford Business School. And we wanted our kid to be American, you know, and uh, she, we moved here. So I moved, I, I follow my wife. <laughs> I moved from Israel to South Africa, from South Africa to America. And I'll follow her to wherever she wants. For you, as you should, <laughs> yeah. as you should, as you should. You know, like one one of the things that that's just really important to me and and to all of us that 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 do this show, uh, one of the things we sort of stick to as a rule, and and that's enormously important to me, is 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 I only want to talk to folks who have really had boots on the ground, who have seen things and experienced things firsthand, and um, and I know for me, it's 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 getting close to those kinds of people, and, and, and when they're brave enough to sort of share their stories with me, I, I find it sacred, and, and uh, it's a huge honor. Um, 
and you know, with 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 what happened on October seventh, you, you know, um, you know the the world, you know, to me at least seems very much still sort of spiraling uh, from it. Um, but you were there, and um, I, you know, if you if you could, you, you know, maybe you could just um, talk to me a little bit about you know why you were there, what it was like for you that day, and 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 and, and tell me kind of your your story of it if if you're comfortable with it. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we were visiting uh, Israel because um, it's Jewish holidays, and my entire family lives in Israel. My wife's family lives in Israel. Uh, we 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 are not religious, but we respect family and community quite a lot. We want our kids like, to grow with good morals, like you and me grew up with to treat everybody equally so yes it's a it's maybe a possibility of being a part of a community um you know i remember on friday night just having a normal argument with my wife like we were staying at my parents like you know just things stupid things that like, irritate you in the moment but <laughs> yeah. yeah like oh my god yeah I bossed my sons three times in a row. Like, what about your part? You know, yeah. something stupid like yes. that. Yeah. Went to sleep. Uh, you were in Jerusalem. In, in Evanuna, it's next to. It's 25 minutes away from Tel Aviv. That's where my, wow, my family moved to. And so my parents live there. My sister and her family lives there. My dad, my brother and his family live there. So it's it's nice that yeah. you guys moved here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, wake up with my son at seven o'clock in the morning, like start seeing this weird thing. Like I'm like, okay, I'm sure we'll take care of it. That's fine. What were you seeing? Just that there were rockets or rockets and a few people parts of it. And so I'm like, okay, it's maybe like ten or twenty, like things will be okay. Like um, but I understand that it's not good, but I'm not worried. Like it's twenty five minutes into the and invasion. how far away are you there f physically from where from 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 Gaza? I would say two and a half hours. Two yeah. and a half hours. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then seven thirty, and like you, I I start hearing the news more and more and more and more. Uh, and at eight o'clock sharp, one of my ex-soldiers, who is one of the best snipers in the world, trained with Delta Navy SEALs, like they say that he's tops. A, a Russian Israeli guy, no sarcasm, no sense of humor, yeah, nothing like that. Calls me at eight o'clock. He says we're going down. Now, a few months beforehand, I handed my reserve government card because they disagree with what the government is doing now. You disagree? Yeah, I okay. disagree, and many, many like me, by yeah, the way. Sure. Many. Sure. Um, but it was. It didn't even like. If Israel is in the war, I will jump. Like yeah. there is no question. So um, he calls me at eight. It was one minute of a conversation. We're going down. Let's meet here. And he knew you were there. Yeah, yeah, we met a few weeks, a few days before, like having beer. Got it. Um, and five minutes later, I already told my wife that I'm going and I'm going to come back tonight. I made myself a coffee, brushed my teeth. I was like, in five minutes, I was like in the car ready to go. He drove to the base at the, and at 8.30, I meet my friends in the base. He signed an equipment that I never used. And so the gun isn't thrown to my eye. That, that, you know, that doesn't matter. 
you know, you need to go what you need to do. And because, because of your because of your history in special forces and because of who you are, you can just go sign out that way. You, they it's it's very easy, right? It's not that easy, but but two of my soldiers were very high up in the, in one of the agencies, and um, and uh, and I have a reserve card, and so it's uh, and at eight thirty it was two hours in, so people there's were, it's a it's a problem. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was like kind of like that. Yeah, just sign me up. At nine o'clock, we were already out of the base. Five people in a private car. And it was just one of your guys' cars? Yeah, just one of the guys' cars. And yeah. you're just flying down there? Yeah, just flying down, trying to understand where we are the most needed. And and do you and you and you at this point, you don't have orders, right? You're just you know that there's a problem, you're rushing to it. Yeah. And these guys are all part of this elite unit, so you're very capable and 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 do you know are you friends with all the guys? Do you know all the guys? They're all your teammates? Two of them, yes, and two of them no. I never met them before. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of a team that get uh, put together right away. Got it, got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, what are you guys saying in the car? Are you just trying to figure it out? or So it's interesting, man. Like, uh, if we first have you figure it out, where you're the most needed. Um, then you kind of do a quick plan. And then you kind of meditate. So we, I know it sounds weird, but we, we listen to relaxing music. You know, you need to... Physically, you cannot have your adrenaline too high for too long. It, it doesn't work. Um, it's a whole f- physiological thing. So, okay, we have a, we're checking where we need to go. Um, we made a plan of what we're going to do. And now you need to relax for 20 or 30 minutes to lower the adrenaline down, the stress level, before you pump it up again. Um, and then, like a few minutes before we arrived to the place that we decided to go, it's already 11 o'clock, so four and a half hours into the invasion, like we, we, are, we are already getting... So there was one more thing that was important to say. Uh, my wife is a Jewish wife, and she can be a bit uh, uh, worried. Uh, so I needed, I needed to have my my mind sorted so i reach out to a friend at like 9 15 i say dude i need one favor from you he's also from but he's a he's a nerd he's a geek in the computer place so dude i like i need my mind clear you know where we're going please do find my iphone in tel aviv please if my wife will see that my find my iphone is near gaza she will she won't stop calling me until she'll get me so he said, bro, I have your back. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, find my iPhone was somewhere else. Um, and that gave me a lot of focus. Um, so we, like a few minutes before we arrived to the kibbutz, that we arrived, um, we see two Hamas terrorists on a motorcycle driving across us. So we will identify them. They're coming towards you? Yeah. How, how did you know they were Hamas? Um, you could see on the videos that this is already like four and a half hours in, so you can see the people. Like you, you we saw similar things driving. They were also uh, wearing certain clothes. Uh, we saw the gun. It was far away, but it was like it really felt like them. So we were there lots of people on the road at that point, or were the roads kind of no empty? man? It was kind of a lot of burned cars. A lot so you of... had already seen 
you had already seen evidence of of of. No, we drove. We saw burnt people in burnt cars while we were driving. How far away from the kibbutz? 30, 40 minutes, 20 wow. minutes, yeah. Wow. 20 minutes, yeah. Wow. And did you stop or did you just saw that you kept? You know, it's one of those things that the, your heart wants to do one thing, but you, you have a mission to do. Like, unfortunately, the people that we saw that were burnt in a car, we couldn't save them, right? Like, let's... Let's face it logically. So how, like we saw really pure evil, like tons of tons, like 10, 20, 30 burned cars right, right after the other, like lying bodies in the middle of the street. Like we needed to move the car, not to run on bodies. But as hard as it is, is to see those people, you had a mission and the mission is to save more people. So. So you see the guys in the motorcycle, and and then what? You engage with them? Yeah. So we see the guys in the motorcycle, and the, one of the guys is really a good sniper from our group. I know in Hollywood or in Fauda, uh, yeah, they 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 do like uh, shooting from the a vehicle against another vehicle, and that works well. It's extremely complicated, and particularly when you drive and they're driving. Because either you need to constantly follow them. It's really, really hard. So the dude took both of them out. And it's just, he's a, just a great sniper and a great human being. We we ran to, to see if they're dead. But we saw communication devices, like a walkie-talkie. So we took that. And we just started like, listening in Arabic to what they had to say. And it was amazing. Like, a game changer. Yeah. You know, obviously you've been in, in a lot of combat situations and you've seen a lot of really hard stuff to see, I imagine. But had you ever been around your own countrymen and your own your own people or your uh, uh, innocence that had been, you know, mutilated like this? Like, did that did it did it change? I mean, it must emotionally have changed the way that you're going in. And and, and how do you mitigate that? Um, are you angry? You know what? 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 What is? What does that do? Or do, very are, much are so. You, are, when I when I got called at eight, I knew that things are really bad. By nine o'clock, I we all understood in the car. This is we never we at nine o'clock we understood that this is the biggest thing that we were ever involved in in our lives. Like we understood that we we most likely are not prepared to what we're going to see or to experience. I mean, I'm sure you've been in situations before where you've had to sort of make peace with the fact that you might not be coming back. But is that how do you have that conversation? What does that conversation sound like with yourself? Actually, in this time, like I had, I had a few times those conversations with myself. Sure. With like, you know, I'm not going to come back or this. Uh, and the interesting side is, thing is a lot of the time you cannot tell the other side that this is a last, possibly the last hug. But in this occasion, I, I didn't have that feeling. I, I don't know why to explain it. Despite me understanding that this is going to be the biggest thing that I was ever involved in, uh, I kind of was like, yeah, okay, we're going to handle it. And that's always a feeling. Yeah. So so once you got the communication device and you're like listening, what, what, what were they saying? What were you hearing? Oh... First of all, I understood that we are dealing here with people that are not 
soldiers, they're terrorists. They are terrorists, they're not soldiers. Like, soldiers have code of conduct, but terrorists don't. And you can wear a uniform and you can be a, a terrorist. So we just heard them say on, on their side, like, okay, did anybody break into this house? Who burnt this house? Like, you know, they're like, okay, there are people screaming in this house, so let's wait and shoot them the minute they come out. Like, you hear these things that you just ask yourself, why? Like, these are innocent people. One of the really fascinating, not fascinating, I can't say it's fascinating, it's really hard thing to understand is they started uh, lighting up tires of cars and throwing them into houses and then it creates a massive amount of smoke and then they wanted people to run out of the bomb shelters of the, in the house because you're choking from smoke and, and then they'll shoot you or take you hostage. So when you, you hear that thing, you just say to yourself, wow, these guys are really pure evil. So what do you do from there? You know, it's a, uh, unfortunately, emotions don't come into the equations in, in uh, those moments, man. It's, you know, it's, you're, you laser focused, you, you have a mission here, you understand who your enemy is. Um, we drive into the kibbutz. We, we see a girl and we were sure that she's hiding from the terrorists in between the cars. She's just lying there on the floor, two bullets in her back. Six-year-old girl or something. But, you know, I just don't believe any girl in the world at the age of six years old can do anything like that, that she, she deserves to die. And still, the emotions don't come, but you just... I'm not angry in those moments. I'm... I understand that the only thing that I need to do now is to protect as many people that I can. That's that's my goal. And and my my heart is with that girl, but yeah, laser focus. While we are driving the kibbutz, we hear that they are kidnapping people. So we hear it in the communication device. We engage right away with the people. So kills the people that are trying to take two kids. Now it's very complicated because it's kind of on a van and and you see like you cannot just start shooting because then you're going to kill those kids so you need to be extremely precise on how you're shooting and from at what angle and who's shooting where and like and they're shooting back at you. It's, it's not a walk in the park. Um, but to save those kids were like what, what? What are you seeing? Yeah, you you see a lot of bodies all over the show. Um, you see terrorists. Um, and do they immediately see you? Um, they immediately see us. We engage. Um, and do you 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 stop the car or what? what depends on the situation. Sometimes we stop the car. Sometimes two went out. The rest continued driving. Like ran towards us. Like there was the a few times like, that it happened. Um, we mainly try to engage with the right away to to get the kids. Uh, look, because you know the men across the border. You, let's face it, you lost them. Um, so the minute we could save those two kids, we asked from the kibbutz, like, hey, who knows these kids? Because we asked for their names, and 
and we asked, we, we gave kind of our location, and the family took them into a bomb shelter, um, and then, and then we just, like, you know, we understood that we were, if we were uh, standing in the middle of the kibbutz, we understood that we couldn't, we couldn't go house by house, because there were just five of us, so it's not, it's not sufficient. So we found an empty house in the kibbutz, we went into it, and my friend in Arabic constantly st- uh, spoke in Arabic and said, in many houses, there are women shooting at you. And why is it important? Because if a woman kills you in the Islam, you don't get 72 virgins and you're not a shaheed. So, if a woman kills you? Yeah. So you wouldn't go to a, a fire exchange with a woman because if you might die, you're not a shaheed. One of the guys was saying in Arabic, as if he was one of the terrorists. Hey, there's women shooting out of the houses. Out of the okay. Yeah, and there's one house that there are a few special forces injured, and he gave the location. Now, why did he do that? Because the injured special forces for them means that he cannot fight back, or he's very limited with, and then they can kidnap you. And for them, a uh, uh, kidnapped special forces is the best trophy that they can get. More than a kid, more than a because they can interrogate you, they can extract a lot of information. They know that if uh, special forces Israel would be willing to give a lot of the uh, people prisoners. So we tried to call them, and that and it worked pretty well. Uh, we each took a window, uh, a non-stop fire, and my friend is just kind of calling them. Wow. And, and the reason is it's better that they'll shoot on us than on a woman uh, that is hiding with her, uh, with her kids. So we wanted to get as much fire and attention that we wanted. So earlier on I told you, depends on the operation, sometimes you're doing something quiet and sometimes you're, you're trying to extract here. And you're, now you're trying to be as loud as possible. Yeah, now you yeah. want to be as loud as possible and you want them to forget about everybody else. You said there's a difference between a soldier and a terrorist. Can you tell by the quality of how they fought? Can you tell, w- w- were they not well-trained? They were not well-trained, okay? So I think there were, eight was a surprise to Israel. Number two, it was roughly 3,000 people. So that's a lot of that's brigades lot. in Israel. Yeah. Um, I wasn't impressed of their quality, not at all, but uh, I'm standing next to my friend with a sniper, and he just tells me, dude, I just shot a guy in the head. He, he tells me they're on something. I'm like, what do you mean? They're what? They're on something. They took drugs. Oh, they're on something. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, dude, I just shot somebody in the head, and he kept on running. So I was like, okay, like, he's a bit, the adrenaline is too high and stuff like that, so I'm but they weren't things. They found on Tuesday and Wednesday that when they were blood, they, they took drugs. Like a Superman drug makes you very violent and aggressive and very strong. Huh. Um, so I wasn't impressed. I think they were just on drugs, a lot of them, and by surprise. And how long did you engage them in that house? For three hours straight. Wow. Three hours. Just five guys. Just five and guys. how many people do you think roughly you... you Forty. Engaged? 40 around our house. Um, at 2 o'clock, man, we had no magazines left. Uh, we, we all looking at each other like, huh, what are we doing now? Uh, but again, he he decides a lot sometimes. And as the magazines end, 
almost 200 soldiers of the special forces active coming to the base. Like, and we, we see it on the WhatsApps already and stuff like that. So they come in already and they give us magazines. Literally, the, a few minutes before everything ends. Like, we had like a, maybe 10 bullets each. Like, you know, not enough. Um, and they just storm in, give us magazines, and now we're like 250 of us, and now we start walking house, house, house. house. And were they still there? Were the terrorists still there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What oh, were you seeing? Oh, so it depends. Like, sometimes you go into a house and you see terrorists sitting in the living room, like, you know, just having coffee. Like, literally. Uh, like, they're owning the place. You see uh, terrorists holding hostages. Terrorists are coming from all over the kibbutz to engage with you. Um, so it was like from 2 to 7. At 7 o'clock we could say, now we're done. Yeah. So from 11 to 7, it was nonstop. So this starts at, I, I, I mean, one of the things that I've been so confused by, and, and, and you know, by, by 2 o'clock the special forces are there, right? Mm. I mean, not you guys, but, right? So that's what you uh, seven hours or however many. I mean, is that? Are you surprised by that? First of all, there was three, thirty, thirty points of contact, thirty different points of contact uh, that we got invaded to. Um, now everybody. It was also on a weekend, so on the weekend, many soldiers are at home. Okay, so if you have. From 100%, you have 20 in the bases and 80 at home. Um, so, because there were so many con points of contact, everybody that could have gone and was a, was a, was in the bases went right away. Now, you know, because there were so many places, so you didn't send the right people or amount of people or units to the right places. A great unit called Golani, um, not special forces, but really, really good guys, sent a lot of people to Kibbutz Beri, but they are not as well trained as the special forces. Uh, but special forces did go to other Kibbutzim. So, you know, you, you don't really know where is going to be the most problematic sure, place. Sure. Many people like me jumped by themselves. Many, many people said, okay, whoever comes, despite what team you are, just come, we're on a helicopter and go to here, go to here. So the army did start deploying at 8, 8.30, but not enough. It took people time to go to the bases from their home sure, to sure. get equipment. Sure, sure. And, and every second, yeah. every second counts. Yeah. Exactly. So imagine you have a team of 20 and... And there's no public transportation, you know, so there's a lot of things here in the equation yeah. that took time and the army, the army also tried to understand where needs to go, who needs to go where, because you can put the best special forces in the wrong place, you wasted 30, 40 minutes, like, you know, even more. So is it did take time for the army to arrive i think there is a lot of learnings from there but at the same time there is a lot of confusion what are your memories and do people start coming out of their houses survivors or or, or or does it start to set in 
right then just just how terrible this this thing was like what what does that feel like emotionally yeah so at two o'clock we were still deep in like the, the more people came we like went house by house still had a lot of uh, fire exchanges so you still you're still deep there like at seven o'clock we said the kibbutz is clear seven o'clock yeah like you can come out please if you want to come out now come out because we literally went house by house knocked on people's doors they didn't want to open because they were like yeah we we heard that the army is here like you like terrorists told us that there's an army and they were not and so then like you you say shmeisel or stuff like that in hebrew you really try to convince them to come out and Interestingly enough, the kibbutz people are like, hey, do you want to eat anything? Do you want to have a shower? Like, just warm people. Like, you just had the worst trauma in your life, and you want me to have a shower. Like, you know, selfless people. It's beautiful. Yeah. I hate to ask you, man, but but besides, uh, you know, that horrible thing that you saw with that that little girl, was, was there anything else you remember that just shocked you? Is there anything else that comes to mind that you've never seen anything like that before? Or was it something that you heard over the, is there something specific that, that just, it was just unlike anything you had ever heard or seen before? A lot of burned people burned to death. Like I saw people handcuffed, burned. Like there is no logic in that. There is no, you handcuff a person. Why do you, like he surrendered, you won, good for you. What do you need more? Why do you burn a human being? After you have, like, he has, you, he cannot protect himself. Uh, babies, babies burn, burn to death. I saw, I saw a dad and a, and a child hugged, hugging each other, burnt. Imagine how much love there was between that dad and that son. I have a son, like, I'll hug him so hard. So to see them hugging and dying together, burnt to death. Chopped heads. People with their heads chopped. And for me, it was more the sounds. Because in the kibbutz that we were, it was silent, silent completely. But the shooting, so boom, 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 ta, 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 but no human voice. And here and there, you hear like a, a scream, a panic scream. Of like, you can hear the agony, you can hear the pain. And that was worse than the, than, than the photos, because the photos, you lost somebody already and it's hard. But the agony of a, of a mother, and we could hear it through the walkie-talkie, so we could hear it from the Arab side too. Remember, not everybody came to us. Some people went, continued in other places, and you, you just hear a mother screaming because they just shot her kids in front of her eyes. It's a kind of a sound that I can't even repeat. Like, if you were not there... No sound can repeat that, you know, really. And then you hear, oh, we also killed her. That's...
you, you said before that uh, you said before that politically you didn't you didn't agree with much of what what, what the government was doing. Um, can you can you can you talk about that a little bit? Like what what uh, what, what you mean specifically? Yeah, I think the new government is um, is trying to make a lot of decisions. In my uh, in my humble opinion, to a uh, to change things in Israel, in equation, in 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 being equal, in in being free. Israel is still a democracy. Everything is true, but I think that they are trying to change some things. And you and I spoke in the map. Everybody's the same. For me, if you're Druze, Arab, gay, lesbian, you know, I had in the special forces gay people serving right next to me. We're equal. We're the same. They deserve the same rights. Like for me, one of the hardest things is in Israel, in this amazing developed country. Like it's a second Silicon Valley. Like it's we are power in New York with so many things. Oh, a gay and lesbian marriage, it doesn't consider a marriage. You're just spouses. Huh? What does that mean? Like, love is love. Um, I, have, I have a few family members who are lesbians, and it's, it's crazy. One mother is not allowed to be the real mother of the kids. Is that right? Yeah, and I'm like, dude, that's... that's... And this seems so not Israel. And, and, that, and this, is new, this is with this new... Government. Yeah, and it seems not right. It is not right. How, how do you feel like the government's sort of policies were before that? Did 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 you agree with those or no? Look, I think a my heart goes out to so many Palestinians. Uh, really, it does. Um, I really wish them a way better life that they have. I really do. I really do. Um, at the same time, uh, people don't know that. 4,000 Gazans a day would cross every day the border to earn a salary in Israel, which is way hard, higher than what they're earning in, in Gaza. That's like, and we allow them. Imagine you have a conflict with, say, Mexico, and you still allow their people in on a daily basis. There are like 250 people, I think a week or a month, that are coming to get cancer treatment from Gaza in Israel. When people call it an apartheid state, by definition it's not, and it can prove in many ways. By the way, I lived four years in South Africa, and people even don't know what the terminology of apartheid is. They just like to scream it. Um, can Israel do better to Gaza? Yes, but my the problem is, it's very hard to live next to a neighbor that's the only thing that he wants to do is to kill you. How can you treat him? Now, people, many people don't know, but in the Quran, in the, the Muslim Bible, the Protestant Muhammad said it's not allowed to kill women and kids. Not allowed. So what happened? Roughly in 94, they got the Hamas, the terror organization, got a fatwa. A fatwa is a religious... Um, approval that said that because of every because in, in the military it's compulsory to go to the military therefore you can kill kids because one day they'll be soldiers 
And you can kill mothers, or women, because they'll give birth they'll to make soldiers, yeah. yeah. Now, every Jew, is a, is a, if he wants to do aliyah, to, to, there's a right of return and to become a citizen of Israel, he can become a, if he's Jewish, day one he can become a citizen. What that means, that every Jewish person in the world can be a soldier one day, therefore the fatwa of the Hamas allows to give every Jew no matter where he is. So that's something that people don't know. And in that occasion, I think it's really hard to do any better for Gaza when they only want to kill you. And do you have, coming up, you know, like what you said about being mad, do you have Palestinian friends? Um, I don't have Palestinian friends. I have Arab-Israeli friends, but I, I met many Palestinians when I lived in Thailand. I studied my MBA with two Palestinian people, you know, treated them the same as I treated anybody else. I wouldn't say that we're friends, but they're great human beings. Um... I volunteered in a hospital in Jerusalem uh, after the, my service is, that is uh, a non-political, non-religious hospital. It's called Alin. It treats everyone and, it, uh, and it's, a, it's a hospital that treats very, very bad conditions. And so people with cannulas that they cannot breathe by themselves, stuff like that. I treated so many kids from Gaza. Um, and I, I would uh, treat them in the water and hydrotherapy. Man and I would hug them and kiss them exactly yeah. like I would hug and kiss. And for me, it was, oh no, this is a Palestinian kid. I won't hug him. He's a kid, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know? you know, in America and across Europe, you know, there's, there's, there's so much, uh, I mean, Clearly, you know, so many people are talking about the anti-Semitism and, and, and I'm, I'm interested in, in, in sort of how that makes you feel and what you think about it. I do think that there's anti-Semitism and anti-Israel. And, and, and in my, my humble opinion, it's a, a lot of people say, oh, anti, um, anti-Israel or anti-Zionist is not anti-Semitism. In my opinion, it is. We don't have any other country that was given by the United Nations to the Jews. If there's no Israel, where is our home, okay? Where is our home? My son is American, but he's Jewish American. That's who he is. And if we have no Israel, who are we? We are the smallest religion in the world. So when people say against Israel, for me, it is anti-Semitism. I think that there are three sayings that really bug me. Genocide. So let's look at the math. Pure math, the population of uh, Gaza and Palestine exceeded by 5x. Okay? So the man, so it's not a genocide. Because if your population exceeds by 5x, it cannot be a genocide. Number two, I think it, it doesn't, it hurts real genocide that really happened through the history, not just the Jewish. We had more genocide in the world. Um, the second thing is apartheid. You know, people don't know what apartheid means. They don't, they don't know. Apartheid is to separate between the races. Okay? So we are better race than you. That's what it means in Afrikaans. Number two is the, the lower race 
isn't going to do peace with the higher race. That's a part of the definition of that. So when people run on campuses and scream apartheid, they they also scream, we don't want peace in Israel, because that's what apartheid means. Okay, so do they know those things? The third thing is, I don't have a problem with the saying of free Palestine. I really don't. I really don't. But free Palestine from the river to the sea means, again, that you don't want the state of Israel. But you just said a few minutes ago, stop the genocide. So now you're calling for, for a genocide. So I really have a problem with that. How, how would you deal with this? What would you do? What would you do right now in this situation? What is the best way forward? Wow. Um, I'm glad I'm not in that decision-making. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm sure Israel doesn't want so many soldiers and men and women in Gaza. They rather have them at home with their families. There are two things that must happen here. One is dependent on Israel and one isn't. One is in our hands, one isn't. Number one, which is dependent on Israel, Hamas must go. It's not a freedom fighter movement. That was Martin Luther King. It, it, that was Mandela. They were freedom fighters that were marching in the street and speaking the truth. Martin Luther King or Mandela, look at Mandela. He didn't go and kill every white person the day that he became the, the president. No, no, not at all. He hugged them. Hamas aren't those people. That's not their ideology. So Hamas must go. That's dependent on Israel, and we must eliminate Hamas, not just for Israel, for the rest of the world, like the rest of the world did with ISIS. Number two is if they want a ceasefire, hostages need to come back. Okay? That's, those are the two things. Um, and I would do one more thing is, I think... The minute you free Gaza from Hamas, I think either the Arab League or Jordan or possibly the UN, it never succeeded with them, so I don't think it's the right thing, but Arab League or Jordan needs to take control of that area to uplift that place, to make sure that those kids have hope, schools, education, education that doesn't teach you to... In drawing at the age of seven to kill an, an Israeli, that, that's, that's, that's not education, that's hate. Um, to give them opportunity to work and earn money because the Palestinian people deserve better, need possibly somebody to help them and uplift them, and it shouldn't be Hamas. When you finally talk to your wife, on October 7th? Do, do you remember that conversation? Yeah. What, yeah. what, what was it? Um, she kind of looked at me and like, you know what's going on? And I look at her and I say like, you know, uh, she knows, she knows all about my background. Um, so she kind of looked at me like, did you go? Like, you know, did you go there? And I say yes. 
And she has that relief, but also a big hug and say, thank you, you know, thank you for doing it. So proud, you know. It's nothing like um, no anger or anything. No, no, no. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for doing it for us. Um, big, big hug. It's so interesting. Um, here in, in the, where we met and beforehand, oh, you're such a hero, you're such a hero. Like a Wonder Woman told that I'm a hero. So, you know, but the... Yeah, that doesn't make me feel any better, but it's a hug for my wife that she says, yeah. you're not a hero, but thank you for doing what you should have done. That's, you know, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? I mean, this is totally different now, man, but, but, but what you, because you're American too, right? Like, like, but like, what do you, what do you, what do you think about guns? Like, what do you, what do you think about pe people arming themselves? Uh, what, like what, what, what could have been different that, that day if there were guns? I, I'm just interested in your views on citizens with guns. Wow, man. You know, now I'm so torn. Like, I, I, until not long ago, is like, oh, it's easier in America in some states. It's easier in America to buy a gun than a beer. Like, you know, like I was like, this country is crazy. Like, you can, um, you can literally walk in a store and get a few guns. Like, um, now with the anti-Semitism, I actually encourage a lot of people to go and get guns. I really do. Yet at the same time, if it's a long-term solution, no, absolutely not. I am really concerned that ever that you have too many guns in the streets. I, I'm against it. Yeah. You know, I I was a kid. I did stupid shit. You know, you know, and I didn't have a gun. So yeah, uh, you saw that the guys at the veterans in Maine, that people knew that he, he needed help. That dude yeah. was crying, screaming for help. His family was screaming for help. Yeah. He shouldn't have a gun, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, like, I'm sorry for all the victims and it's terrible, but he needed help before anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. I'll give you this analogy. In this street, imagine there are two bullies, okay? Two bullies, and we just want to live our life. And they knock on, on your door every day, and they tell you, give me a quarter of your fridge or whatever. And you say no, and then they beat you up, and they take a quarter of the fridge. The following day happens again. The third day, <laughs> you'll just take, okay, take my quarter of my fridge, just don't beat me up. And, and then they come and tell you, from now on, we nobody's parking without our permission. Okay. So, okay. And that's what happened with Gaza, with Hamas. Did they win a democratic vote? They did win a democratic vote. Did they threaten people that if they don't vote Hamas, they will die? Yes, they did. So they won a democratic vote, yes. Did they threaten people? Yes. What I think will happen is people cannot speak against Hamas in Gaza because you know that they will come and kill you. By the way, don't believe what I say. There's a guy called the, uh, the Green Prince, the yeah. son of the Hamas. Yeah. His dad was one of the co-founders of the Hamas. He sat in jail with Hamas. One of the reasons that he flipped, he says, look, I saw that Hamas people in jail would 
kill Palestinian people that didn't obey to Hamas rules in prison. That's why he said, like, wow, you know, that's... So what I think will happen is um, free Palestine from Hamas. The minute Hamas will stop ruling, you will see people say, we were waiting for this day for so long. Sure. And, and do you, I don't know if you can answer it, but I mean, when there's bombs dropped, you know, in Gaza, when people lose family members and, and, and when that cycle of, you know, death and destruction continues, do you think that there's people... I mean, obviously you say, oh, well, the Israelis bombed us. I, you, you know, d you know the, the argument is that creates more Hamas soldiers. Do you think that there's anybody who says, fuck, we, you, you know, th this is on us. This is on these people. Do you think there's anybody who, who, I mean, is there a freedom of information? Is there people, is there people that can make that connection or do make that connection? Do you believe? Yeah, I think in their hearts they're saying, fuck, this is Hamas. So. Israel, and it was all over the press, Israel told people to leave the city of Gaza. They gave a timeline, they expanded the timeline again and again and again and again. People didn't leave. Why wouldn't you? You're a family man. If I'm telling you now to leave and you know that I'm strong, you know. And you've just committed a huge terrorist atrocity in my home. Like, I know you're serious. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, you know that I'm serious. You know that I'm pissed. Yeah, and you know that I'm powerful. Would you take me seriously or not? Most of the time you would. Yeah. But sometimes people would, and they did, they stopped people from going out. I had an experience in operation back in 2007. As I said, sometimes you work in operation for a year or X amount. We were in operation and we 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 uh, we wanted to take a guy out somewhere, and we lived in that place for a few weeks, and we waited for him to come out of a small garage for a few days. Okay. And you finally, like after four days of sitting there as an Arab, eating their food, like, you know, no contact to your family, nothing is the door opens. And the adrenaline just goes up and you see him coming out and he comes out with a baby like this, holding a chest to chest. Mm. And, you know, no shots fired. Like, you know, you, you don't even need to say anything. You just wrap up your shit and go. Because you... You don't want to kill innocent people. And Israel, there's no Israelis. That, there's, maybe there are, but some army, as an army, has very strict rules on killing people, innocent people. And people can say whatever they want, but the truth needs to be told. Before Israel bombs places, there are pamphlets that they throw from planes in the language. Then they shoot a small bomb on the roof, and then they bomb the hell out of the place, okay? So you have a few... I don't know many armies that take those precautions. Um, but Hamas says... It. Why did they create their base under a hospital? Right. Who would do such a thing? If, if, if you could reach them, what, what, what would you say to the, the Palestinian people? That we love them. To the Palestinian people that we love them. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. What a great.